Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire would like to give the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast a free uh, resource mouse pad. Uh, you actually get two of those if you go to axontiretips.com and there's a form at the bottom. Fill that out and uh, send that in. They'll get that over to you. Uh, a lot of good information on that side as well, so check that out. Sean's in Canada right now, so using that resource mouse pad going from metric to imperial conversion would make a big difference, right, Sean, as you're driving down the street looking at tires? I convert. Uh, I convert all the time. <laughs> <laughs> MMT to TTM to pounds to, to gallons to liters. I mean, I, I'm, I just do You're all over the place. Always converting. All over the place. Bushels to metric tons. Look at that. Yeah. Good times. Celsius to Fahrenheit. You name it, I'm converting it. I like that. You might be able to use one of those mouse pads then. There you go. All right. (laughs) Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion worth of heavy machinery sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solutions for transparent heavy equipment values and auctionable pricing data. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he is nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing very, very good from old Canada. Old Canada. There you go. Yes. He's up there enjoying some of that. So you're in Montreal, right? I'm in Montreal. My mother was French-Canadian, so I know Quebec quite well. Okay. And and their 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 two-week summer is now. Yeah. So uh, it's beautiful. I mean, it's 50s during the night and uh-huh. 70s during the day, which for us Floridians is, you know, on the cool side, as you can see, I got my nice. I, I noticed that you got a parking yeah. on and everything in the yeah, background. So you know, I mean, it's you know, I'm 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 just, but for for Montreal standards, this is as good as it gets. I know. There you so. go. Okay. Well, we had some fireworks over uh, last week. We had uh, the much-awaited June um, 
crop progress report and um, also um, planted acreage report and uh, there was a WASDA report thrown in there too at the same time. So now you had all this stuff hit at the same time and you had uh, Farmers Business Network come out uh, two or three days before that and say, hey, you know, we think soybean acres are going to be way off. We feel like there's going to be um, less acres than, than what was predicted by the USDA. And uh, they were right. There's about 2 million less acres, uh, the soybeans that came out. And then roughly corn was roughly right around there. But it was you know up just a tick more than what they thought. Um, huge volatility. I mean, the, the run-up from the day, they were up like 57 cents or something like that from uh, rallied up off that report, finished about the same place they started. And then it just went sideways. Uh, real fast and went and just took off down uh, the next couple of days, big time, like down 60 cents and those kind of things. So, Sean, as you take a look at that, that should have been a very bullish report, um, but we didn't see the bullish reaction from the marketplace. What's your thoughts there? Well, I, um, you know, you always have to be careful. Was the planting intentions report in, all, in March correct? It wasn't correct. You know, I, I mean, I, I believe it wasn't correct, meaning that um, the numbers, although they look substantially lower, I think the market knew a long time ago that the acres weren't going to be that large for soybeans. I mean, I, you know, the market has a way of, I don't think Cargill waits for the USDA to tell them how many acres of so soybeans are going to get planted. I think they know, have a pretty good idea well before the USDA comes around to telling everybody. So, but nonetheless, the headline number was bullish, and we did have a 57-cent rise in the first three minutes of trade. And then we ended the day where we began. And, of course, as you said, corn was about right where it was and wheat was about where it was. And we didn't get anything um, unusual with the quarterly grain stocks. Um, but more importantly, while all this was going on, we had this. Uh, we know that Turkey has been, has been talking with Russia, who's been talking with um, Europe and trying to work out some kind of a, a, a framework for letting some Ukraine grain go in, you know, safe passage out and on thursday morning the russians claimed that they retreated from snake island which is a very strategic location um, and base where um those that control it you know can control a lot about what safe passage uh, from ukraine and the apparent good gesture that russia did there in, in retreating from there and Ukraine getting control of that, the market kind of, and the first supplies actually getting safe fashion. Not a lot, but, but, but psychologically, we had our first shipment out of Ukraine through that passageway without any incident. I think the market is sensing that there's going to be some shift and some change in no supply to something. And we don't know how much that something is, but the idea that it looks like some of those supplies from Ukraine are going to get out, and that changes the psychology of the market dramatically. Um, at a time, by the way, that we're worried about um, a slowing economy, that we're worried about the Fed raising rates too fast, but that we're worried about them pulling liquidity too fast, that we're seeing the stock market crash. All these things are suggesting that maybe you know, we're entering some kind of a deflationary period for asset markets as a whole. And, um, and so that fed into that. And then, uh, and of course, Mother Nature, which is always at the end of the day, what we say is that we trade the reports and then it all comes back to weather. Uh, weather in Europe, weather in Russia, weather in the U.S., yes, there's always a place you can look and say it's bad here, 
But overall, the weather is not that um, uh, adverse right now to overcome these other bearish macro forces, Casey. Um, and so the speculator has decided he wants to get out. And once the speculator decides he wants to get out, it leads to margin calls, and then the margin clerks run the show. The margin clerk's job is to make sure that the accounts cover the margin, and if they don't have the money to cover the margin, then they force them to sell the position so they cover the margin. But the more they go down, the more the margin continues until eventually everybody has to sell and, and take care of the problem, and then, the, and then that margin call selling reaches a crescendo. I think we're within a few days, I think, of the margin clerks being done with impacting the marketplace. And then once the margin selling is over, we then can find out what's the real where, where should the real market be right now? Uh, we won't really know until that forced selling in specula in spe from speculators covering margin calls is done. We really won't know where the true market is until that happens. And then, and then we'll just have to wait and see, does Mother Nature continue to remain uh, uh, decent? Meaning like we're getting a lot of heat coming in, Casey, a lot, a lot of really high heat coming in. But we're, it looks like we're going to get enough active moisture uh, to, to kind of keep things from deteriorating. Now, that, of course, that can change. Whether well, models come out three to four times a day, and maybe next tomorrow it says, oh, all that rain's disappeared, and we're in a, in, a, in a weather market. But for right now, at this moment, the market is saying there's enough moisture to keep things going, and in three weeks' time, corn will be pollinated, predominantly pollinated, and the corn crop, for the most part, will have a pretty good idea that it won't be a disaster. Soybeans, of course, we still don't know until we get to late July, um, and we look at the August forecast. So, so right now, I think that's where we're at. We're taking this weather, this we're taking this um, Ukraine premium out. We're, we're adding some um, uh, macro bearish discounts in, um, and the market right now is unexcited about weather. So, I think that's where we are, and that's why, at least in soybeans, what should have been a bullish reaction, which was, could not hold. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, one more story I was reading this morning before we started rolling here that. There's a, a Russian-held part of southern Ukraine where basically the Russians were just taking or taking the actual grain from that area and 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 selling it across the mostly to the Middle East right now. But I mean, I guess as you those kind of things, there's a lot of where they're at in that southern part of Ukraine, um, in that that eastern part of Ukraine. So that's, there's a lot of grain there because that's where a lot of the grain goes to get to get transported out of the country. So there's a lot of grain sitting there right now. Assuming that Russia could do that, do you, do you see that speculators could be looking at that also, saying, like, well, they have a good chunk of, of Ukrainian Hill Grant already, and they're going to start transporting that stuff out? I guess, what are your thoughts on that? It's always possible. I, it's hard for me to know what to believe or not believe from all the right. news out of there because it's so, it's, it's so iffy all the time. What I do, apps, we, as I said to you many times, Casey, we try to predict what we can, right. and we try to... We try not to try to predict what we can. I don't know if I can, I can't predict whether they have control, don't have control, have some control. But I do know that they're starting to harvest what I believe is to be a record crop of all time. And I do know from their export taxes that they inflicted last year that they had built up historically large wheat stocks in Russia that Russia does have control over. They don't need the Ukraine grain right now. They're going to have so much wheat to sell from last year's ending stocks rebuild to their record wheat crop that they're going to be, that they're starting to harvest, they're going to have plenty of, they're going to be plenty, plenty busy selling Russian wheat right now than needing to worry about selling Ukraine wheat. So I think for now, that's the focus. Mm -hmm. At some point when they've cleared that supply out, 
Uh, do we find that they have extra supply, that's Ukraine supply that they have uh, somehow gotten control over? That may well be the case, but I think right now there's more than enough supply that Russia can sell, and I believe they will be willing sellers to p countries like Russia and others that you know want the wheat and don't really have a problem uh, trading with Russia right now. Right. So. Okay. All right, speaking of weather, you look at uh, what's happening down in Brazil, um, corn forecast, corn crop forecast in Brazil um, continues to see some some pressure there. Um, I guess as you're looking at what's going on in Brazil right now, what are your thoughts on, on Brazil and, and that key growing area? I think the, the key factor here is that even though they had a, 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 dry, a drier finish to the corn crop, not as dry as last year, mm -hmm. but it wasn't hot. We didn't have high. We actually, it was cooler than normal temperatures. And we've said so many times, one of the most important yield-determining factors for corn is the temperature. Hot and dry is way, way different to crop uh, uh, yield potential than cool and dry. And they had a good start, meaning they, they started the, the growing season with good subsoil moisture, and they had some moisture at least for the first half. So when, we, when it's all said and done, the crop is off from what it was originally supposed to be, but it's dramatic. So even if it's off, you know, from where it was, it's still a massive increase in supplies. And that means their exporter supplies are going to be huge going forward. And that supply, those supplies are now becoming available. Another reason that one could construe that the market might start getting more bearish to corn market, because so long as Brazil is a willing seller, and I've never found Brazil not to be a willing seller of excess supplies. They like their job is to sell. They mm -hmm. like to sell. Uh, you know, we're not going to have any corn shortage for the next couple of months that I can see. So the only thing that can overcome that is you have to have a real major crop problem right. in the U.S. Um, and right now, with only three weeks to go for pollination, even though the heat's coming in, it looks like there'll be enough rainfall. So unless the models were to change that. You know, it looks like we're going to get through it, and, and it may not be an all-time. I'm not saying it's going to be the record crop of all time or the record deals, but it's going to be a decent crop, a decent crop, and that's not going to excite the market when, when you're at seven or eight dollars. That's not going to excite the market when you know all those fresh supplies are going to start coming to the market in the fall. So I think right now we're just in a in a situation where the market is 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 it it it's not finding a new bullish story to trade. And when it can't find a new bullish story to trade, um, it starts to sell. And if it can latch on to some bearish news, like Ukraine potentially opening mm -hmm. up, um, you know, bearish macro, then it, then it really just piles on. I think we're in that typical period where unless Mother Nature kicks in, it's, it's, it's the rundown to the harvest lows. And then it's a question of when do we make the harvest lows? Is it early? Is it middle? Or is it late harvest? We think it's going to be more of a, a late August, early September low, you know, more of an early harvest low kind of a thing. That's our, our expectation. But right now, it looks to me, you know, unless we have a dramatic change in some of this moisture forecasting, that um, you know, we're going to, we, we can get some bounces along the way, of course, but it looks like we're just deciding how low do we have to go to get to harvest lows in August. That's yep. what it looks to us. Yep. Okay. So one more thing. So up here, the Canadian Acreage Report comes out here this morning. They're talking about yes. um, all wheat planting, um, um, which could be down 300,000 acres from the spring wheat contentions, but up 1.3 million acres from last year, obviously record drought last year and, and what that looks like. So um, canola is expected to have a total of $21.3 million, 3 million acres up 400,000 acres from April 
but down 1.2 million acres from last year. So I guess as you're looking at that, how do you expect that to influence what we see happening um, in the wheat market? So, so you, 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 that, you gave us the expectations? Yeah. Was it, were those yeah. the expectations? Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think looking at the report, I think the two most important markets to look at are canola and spring wheat. My uh, feeling about what took place in Canada in terms of they had worse flooding, they had a longer cold spell, um, and talking to my customers there, who I are big wheat farmers in Canada, I do know that many of them um, were really thinking about and, and expecting they would be switching a lot of those spring, those late spring wheat acres over to canola. So I would be looking to see if there's a surprise in lower spring wheat acres than expected and more canola acres than expected. I think that could be a driver of both markets if it's because, you know, I mean, obviously we don't really grow canola in the U.S., so it's all a Canadian thing. And spring wheat, I mean, they're just as big at spring wheat as we are. So, so you know, they're a huge um, supplier of spring wheat, and if their acres really come up significantly below expectations, they could catch a bid in the spring wheat market, at least not the winter wheat, but the spring wheat market. So I'd be looking for, my suspicion is we might find less spring weight acres than the expectations and more canola acres. That's my suspicion at this point. Uh, I think that's where the surprise could come in at. We'll just have to see what they say. Right on. So. Okay. Well, Sean, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors with an S, at um, hackettadvisors.com. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. It's all right, Sean. Don't worry about it. I do it. I do it seven times a week, and I still mess it up. Don't worry about it. Advisors.com. We have all kinds of information on there with podcasts and white papers and sample reports that go over our weather algorithm, our capital flows, smart money algorithm, to let everyone know what we do, how we do it, to see if what we bring to the table could be a value for your listeners. Right on, Sean. Appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Always, always a pleasure and a blessing. Right on, man. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and go to the YouTube channel. Check out Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and you can see uh, the video version of this. Uh, Sean is going to be at the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th, giving his rundown of what he sees happening out there uh, and his weather models and those kind of things. I guess Sean's been moving to that time frame. Um, that's a that's a pretty good window to look through, especially as we head from La Nina or El Nino to La Nina or La Nina to El Nino, moving moving through this uh, time frame here. Well, yeah, I mean we're already starting to see clear signs of La Nina. We're actually, if you look at the sea surface temperature of the storm, we're not in La Nina anymore. It's gone. Um, it, you know, lots of things are starting to happen to show that we're getting the shift. The fact that the U.S growing season is anything but what it, what it was the last couple of years, meaning we're not seeing an expanding drought. We're not seeing, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot more moisture. You know, even though we're seeing some heat coming in, we're also seeing um, alternatively a lot of cool air coming in. I mean, it's a mixed bag. We're not seeing anything that was, that we've saw the last couple of years, either here or in Europe. And that means that this La Nina is not delivering on what most of the consensus had been saying all along that this would be a, Another La Nina year, expanding drought, all kinds of problems, the 2012 style drought. As you know, Casey, we were very, very strong that we felt those kinds of forecasts using traditional La Nina 
teleconnections would proven would prove to be very very wrong, and that's in fact what's happening, and that's a sign that by the time we get to your summit, you know that we're going to have even more clear signs about this big shift going on, and we're going to be able to really lay out, you know, what does that mean for the growing season in South America? What does it mean for the uh, growing season in the U.S. coming up, the winter season, and how crops are going to be dramatically altered in terms of which crops uh, have poor production versus which crops have good production. So a big, big shift going on, and it means a very different approach to your marketing, to your feed purchases, and such forth and so on. So I think, once again, always you've always timed these September summits right at an important juncture for weather. And I think this is really going to be a, a very exciting time to be talking about it and also a very different uh, presentation that we've been putting out for the last few years. And we will be talking about the Gleisberg cycle, which is going to be what we think is going to be the potential for a 2024-25 style 1 in 50 or 1 in 100 year drought and what you need to do to prepare for 2023 for that very important 90 year cycle. And so a lot of really, really good information that I think we're going to be able to put out there and get people plenty of time to prepare, just like we give them plenty of time a couple of years ago to make decisions that could help them on the farm. Right on. Okay, so if you're interested in seeing Sean, your dealer, and you want to see Sean give that presentation, go to movingironllc.com, click on the upper left-hand or upper right-hand corner, click on Moving Iron Summit tab, go down there, all the information's there, the sign-up information's all there. So if you're interested in doing that, check that out, or send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast or movingironpodcast.com, and I'll make sure to get that information loaded up and get you registered. So with that, I am, oh wait, one more thing. My friend Alex is over in Ukraine, he sent me a picture the other day uh, of of uh, some people he was hauling uh, around to, to get from one place to another and some other things. So he's over in Ukraine uh, doing some humanitarian work and those kind of things. So if you're interested in helping Alex, go to his, go to uh, GoFundMe and help Alex transport humanitarian aid from Poland to Ukraine or just check the show notes here and there's a link that you can check there as well. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go move some iron folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving on